0: Now Studios. Stella called the raven trickster cause the trickster was he. Now you can turn to a horse or a boat or a tree, but can you turn to bacon? And the raven said, "Why not? Then Stella shoved him in a sack and she threw him in the pot. Ha) <laughs> You're listening to Spooked. Stay Stay, stay, tuned. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house, and I scream.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spoot. I didn't go to the funeral when Sal died. I was a kid and I didn't know about stuff like that. I wanted to say goodbye though. My parents, they didn't know Sal or his wife Mary but we lived just a few blocks away. One day Sal told me to stop my bike and come put some oil in the chamber because I make too much goddamn noise. If you take care of these things, he said, it'll last forever. Later he Tightened my brakes, adjusted my seat higher. You're a growing boy. And this shaggy gray and black mustache, it took up most of Sal's face. No beard, but a mustache like out of the movies exploded under his nose, spilled down his cheeks. He tinkered in his garage all day, arguing with Mary, who shouted warning from inside the house Leave that boy alone, she said. He didn't want to talk to old people about cars. He came here by himself. He knows what he's doing. Well, give him something to eat. You're standing in the kitchen. Make him a sandwich. And one for me, too. What do I look like? Like someone who knows how to make a sandwich. Oh, you. And all this, it sounds bad, it does, but they were smiling the whole time. performance, I think, for an audience of me. Because when Mary looked at him. She glowed. Like he was the lost treasure at the end of the story. Like he was the hero who won the big fight. And one day, his feet sticking out from underneath the Winnebago, the Winnebago that never moved, Sal told me, ah, you know, we never had kids. Why not? Well, some things ain't don't work out the way you plan. He's a boy! What are you telling my troubles for? We're just talking, woman, for the love of God. And later, the garage door stayed closed for a while. A long while. Then he was gone. I picked some flowers and knocked on the door, and this enormous sheepdog I'd never seen before comes bounding, barking as Mary struggles with the doorknob. Settle down! Settle down! Hey, sister, she says I need a dog now. I I don't know. I can't can't deal with a puppy. I really can't. So, here we are, me and him. Um, yeah, Sal Sal was real nice to me. Yeah. He was real nice to me, too. The dog kind of cocks his head toward her. What am I going to do with the dog? Later, I visit her from time to time. Not as much as with Sal, because I'm young and I'm an idiot, but I do see her. And the dialogue, it started back up. But instead of talking to Sal, she talks to the dog. Who comes running towards me, ears flopping. Oh, he doesn't want anything to do with you. You're half as big as he is. Or... If you take those shoes out to the kitchen one more time, I'm gonna lose my mind. She even asked the dog stuff like, Who keeps calling this number and hanging up? Who does this? The dog kind of rolls his eyes and looks at me as if to say, Can you believe this? Can you believe it? This big, huge sheepdog with this big sal mustache and these big sal eyes, and I swear. I swear I'm not saying that Sal came back As a sheepdog I'm not saying that because that's crazy It would be insane to make that kind of Definitive statement I'm just saying that I'm not 100% Absolutely certain That Sal Didn't come back As a sheepdog Редактор субтитров there? Who's there? You never really know who is there. Aaron Gustafson. He's living with his parents and his siblings in Washington State, and some long-forgotten childhood memories start coming back to him. Spooked.
2: I was somewhere around 11, and I was just sitting in my room, and I randomly remember Dodd. I got up, and I went to my mom, and I asked her, I just was like, do you remember Dodd? And the look she gave me was just like utter Surprise.
1: I'm Mallory Gustafson. I'm Aaron's mother. Aaron was smart. Entirely too smart. Really well behaved, actually. uh, Better than most kids, actually. I started noticing differences. And I said, Okay, what is going on with this child? I would hear him say, You know, like, Okay, or uh huh, you know, just responses as if someone was talking to Aaron, like, Who are you talking to? and he would reply, Dodd, like it was no big deal. But I noticed around the age of two, I think, is when it actually started. <coughs>
2: I just figured he was part of my family. Dodd was roughly my own height. About a foot and a half tall and um, like pure white, not like fuzzy. He didn't really have a face. Um, He just had little indents where his eyes would be. He looked kind of like a gummy bear. It had, like, a little muzzle, but it didn't have, like, a noticeable nose or mouth. Just a little white bear. With no face. At first, my parents were kind of confused. They thought that, especially since I was, you know, just a toddler, oh, are you talking about your dad? And I'd say, no, I'm talking about Dodd. And they'd say... You mean, like, the word God? And I would say, no, Dodd. And every time I would say, no, Dodd, until they f- finally gave in. They're like, okay, you're just talking about Dodd. I have no idea what that means, but apparently that's what you mean.
1: I spoke to the pediatrician at the time, and... He thought it was a little strange that he would have an imaginary friend, considering he has lots of children to play with. But he said not to worry it. Maybe he'll just grow out of it, you know, not to make a big deal of it. So that's what we did.
0: The show sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And we keep them bottled up. It can start to affect us in ways we don't expect, how we treat our family, our friends. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Glenn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-L-Y. In in support for snap judgment presents spooked comes from odoo tired of relying on disconnected software to manage your business then you need odoo odoo is an all-in-one management platform with a suite of user-friendly applications designed to simplify and connect every aspect of your company in one easy to use software so you can get more done in less time to learn more visit odoo.com slash spooked. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash spooked. Odoo. Because amazing employees deserve amazing software.
2: I had to constantly tell them that Dodd's hungry. Dodd wants to go outside. Like, you can't just leave Dodd at home when we go places. So when my parents would start saying he's not real, anything like that, it, it mostly just frustrated me um, because he's right there, I can see him, why aren't you understanding that he's just as real as we are? I would just wake up in the morning, and I would slip out of bed, I would walk down the hall, and I would just open the little gate and go down the stairs, and I would sit on the floor, we had an old, like, CRT TV, and I would sit there and Dodd would be next to me, and I would turn on what Dodd wanted to watch. I never was big into most cartoons outside of Pokemon and Ben 10, but... Dodd would have me turn on, like, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I would say things out loud, but I would just know what he said, or what he meant, or what he wanted. That's kind of how Dodd and I spoke.
1: It was sometimes frustrating, but when you have a child, you love the child, so you'll do whatever you know you need to do to keep that child happy. Do You have to drop other things to be able to buckle that person that I can't see in the car to make an extra plate, to buy extra McDonald's. You figure it's a phase. And I figured, you know, I'll just play along, if you will, and do what I need to do to get this child through the day.
2: all of my brothers, we would go to a store and we'd each get to pick out a toy and I go into the toy aisle and Dodd is there with me and he wants this toy just up on the top shelf. I can't reach it and so I have to bring my mom in and I'm just saying like, I need this toy on the top. Dodd wants this one. And so my mom grabs this toy off the top shelf. She's telling me, you're never going to play with this. You don't need this toy. Dodd's right here. I don't know what you're not understanding. This isn't my toy. It's for Dodd.
1: About the age of four, it started to feel more than imaginary because... It got more than just make room for Dodd. Felt like it wasn't a phase after a year, maybe two. Because the doctor was telling me usually the child will forget. Or it'll just stop. And it didn't. Aaron described Dodd as being short. And... Not having a face really sticks out to me. That kind of freaked me out. And then later learned that it was a bear. Very short bear. I didn't think he was making this up. So I was like, okay, I got to find out what it is because I know he's not having some kind of breakdown. It's not anything wrong with the child. So I thought maybe there's something to this and that's what led me to try to investigate it. First, I started telling my brother, who lived with me at the time. You know, we would discuss Dodd and how Aaron was reacting. And I I looked on the internet and said, are there any happenings in our area, maybe, that had a person named Dodd? And I spelled it out. And there was a story about a small, I believe they said he was eight years old, a boy. His last name was Dodd he had been burned so badly that he was unrecognizable and had died in a fire in our area. So I told my brother, I said, do you think that that's what maybe this child's seeing? He was a little bit scared at first. He was like, oh my goodness, what if this child is seeing a ghost? What if your house is haunted?
2: I'm inside, and I'm just with all of my brothers. My dad is at work, my mom's just in the kitchen cleaning dishes, but I get the sense that Dodd has something that he wants to show me. And so I'm following Dodd, and he leads me all the way through the house to the front door, and... I open the door, I leave the house. It's it's the middle of summer, super bright, beautiful day, and we go down the steps of the porch and we take a left from the porch, which curves around the right side of our house, and right along the ground, it's what I can only describe as like a small door in the side of the house. It's probably two feet by two feet, a little square, and it's closed by like a little hook latch that you just set down into a little hoop. That was somewhere that I didn't know existed, and I just know that Dodd wanted me to check it out. I swing the little door open and there's only about a third of the little area that I can see. It has a concrete floor and one little wall. I climb inside of this little area and I put my knees up against my chest and I set my arms on them and I'm sitting just inside the door. It's a very low ceiling, only a few inches above my head when I'm curled up. And I sit there, and I look to my side, and I can't see anything other than a little bit of light that's reflecting off of a very small, old-looking, like a classic tricycle, like the cartoonish looking, little red one with white riding, little tiny wheels. And I'm sitting next to that, I look to my left, and Just outside the little area I just crawled into, I can see the door, I can see a little bit of the grass, and Dodd, who's just standing there, and he's just looking at me. It felt really calm inside, almost otherworldly. It was so quiet and separate from everything else.
1: Wow, you know, that is insane. I I don't know how to wrap my head around that. Must have been a reason. He was lonely, maybe lost. When you figure there's probably a spirit, then as a person, I respect that person as well. So I respect their friendship. I didn't have an opinion. Either it was or it wasn't. I couldn't prove it. Aaron didn't seem to be harmed or unhappy or depressed or any of those things. So I just let it be.
2: We had lived in the same house since I was born. But when I was six years old, we started to gradually move into a new house that was quite a ways
1: away. The day that we actually finally moved out of the house, we had already been making trips to the new house with furniture, things like that. This day was the final day. We were not coming back. We turned in the keys.
2: normally he would be right next to me all the time and suddenly now he's just watching everything happen when we're going for that final trip and he's still over by the house when I'm in the car and we're all leaving for the last time I think that's really when it just hit
1: that he can't leave so all the boys got into the truck where the furniture and the bikes and so on and so forth was. Aaron and I decided to get in the car that I would be driving. Normally, Aaron will sit in a booster seat and there'll be another booster seat which has always been reserved for Dodd. I always was really good about, you know, allowing Dodd. And this is after getting used to it for a couple years. I asked Aaron is Dodd coming with us in the car? Aaron says, no. Okay, so I say, is Dodd riding with Daddy in the truck? No. Okay, so Aaron climbs into the car seat or the booster seat, and I think, well, if Dodd's not coming in the car, I pick up the car seat, the little booster seat thing, and I pitch it to the back of the car. Aaron sits in the car, kind of stubbed, like, you know, with a grim face, like, rawr, like, you know, like anger. And I felt bad, like, I'm sorry, you know. But this time I was first, hey, is Dodd going to ride with us? And I just got snapped at by Aaron, so I thought, well, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I personally was asking, you know, myself and my brother and my husband, do you think Dodd's coming? And they're like, shh, let's not. You know, so we decided not to say anything and let Aaron do all the talking, you know, and just leave it alone. Actually, the first couple nights, I kind of waited to see if Aaron would say anything. I literally forgot about it for a while. We had a lot going on. So, you know, I was busy doing that and unpacking, cleaning. But after a couple of days when the dust settled, so to speak... I wondered, but I didn't bring it up.
2: It almost felt like leaving one of my brothers behind. I just wanted to forget about it instead of just hurting myself from having to think about it over and over. She didn't tell me about the fact that she researched Dodd until probably, like, two years ago. She had gone to the library, and they had those things where you can go through old newspapers. And it had an article about the kid named David Dodd, and he was holding a teddy bear. I was kind of baffled when she told me that, because... It felt almost... I don't know how to describe it other than, like... Too good to be true. Like, it all just came into place in a way that I never would have guessed. Like, his last name being Dodd, he his face was injured and he was holding a bear. I don't know. I still don't know what to think about it. It just seems so strange to think that Someone that I grew up with, someone I viewed as basically another brother, could just be the spirit of a little boy. I believe that he was tied to that first house some way. When I was 12 and I went trick-or-treating, I happened to stop at that house, um, and it was just a brief moment of, they opened the door, and I looked inside, and it felt like home, I was so excited, and the guy told me we don't have any more candy, and he shut the door. I wanted with all of my heart to, um, to just look in and see Dodd standing there on the back of the room but unfortunately I didn't see him
0: Aaron thank you Mallory for sharing your story with the spooked the original score for this story was by Richard Haig was produced by Chris Hamrick Spook stories come from It is not a secret Spook listeners People who've had their own brush with the dark side And I'm not talking Granny saw a ghost Everybody's granny saw a ghost I'm talking about stories From real people Who have lived with Inhabited Seen something that doesn't fit With our traditional map Of how this world works If that person is you If you've ever tracked a monster Displayed a power Foretold a situation If you've walked this lonely path we want to hear from you and maybe then it won't be so lonely anymore. Let me know spooked at snapjudgment.org because the best spook stories come from spooked listeners. Spooked is a community. The best way to let folk know you're on the inside track is by sporting some spook gear. The t-shirt of your dreams available right now at snapjudgment.org. And remember, if you like your storytelling under the bright light of day, Subscribe to our amazing sister podcast, Snap Judgment. It's storytelling with a beat. Spook was created by the team that never leaves the house without making sure they are properly lotioned, Except for Mark Ristich, who will forever remain ashy. There's Anna Sussman, our chief spooksters, is Eliza Smith, Greta Weber, Chris Hanbrick, Annie Nguyen, Davey Kim, Lauren Newsom, Leon Morimoto, Renzo Gorio, Teo Ducat, Marissa Dodge, Zoe Ferrigno, Tiffany DeLiza, and Ann Ford. The spook theme song is by Pat Machini-Miller. My name is from Washington. And you can spend your entire life keeping dark forces at bay, seeing them only in the periphery or through the sideways glance, but often we don't get to decide. When the dam breaks So as a simple precaution I often advise those who will listen Never Ever Never ever never ever never Ever
1: never Turn out The lights
0: This story Was summoned in the dark of night By KQED And PRX